Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is entitled, How to Be a Good Father. We also are a resort ministry, which means we exist here for the sake of people who come here. And uh, so it's a very important part of our church. Even though you're not members, we consider you to be members today. And part of our group, part of our, uh, not, a, uh, not a visitor, but a guest. And we're glad you're here and chose to come here uh, even while you're here on summer vacation. Speaking of summer vacations, there was a Texas dad who was traveling with his family in an RV. They were traveling out northeast and headed back home, and they decided the final leg of their journey, they were just going to drive through the night, switch off drivers just because they needed to get back. Several people had to get back to their jobs. Parts of the family had to get back to their jobs. And so uh, coming through Memphis, the deal was is there was he was going to pull over, and uh, he was going to put some gas in the RV. He was going to go in and get a little something to eat, and he was going to come and switch places with one of the family members who was sleeping in the back of the RV, and that child was going to come and drive, and he was going to go back to the back and sleep. And so he does everything like he says he's going to do. He pulls over, he gets gas, he uh, goes to get something to eat, comes back out, and no RV. <laughs> Gone. So he goes back in. This is like 3 o'clock in the morning to the, to the clerk and says, you know, can I borrow your cell phone? And so he calls his cell phone, which, of course, is in the RV, and he remembers... I had my cell phone turned off because it was the middle of the night. So he calls his son's cell phone who was driving at that time, the RV. Well, of course, the son had just woke up from the back of the RV and had not turned his cell phone, calls his wife. He calls his two daughters. He, no one answers. So uh, he goes next door. Someone had a computer. He logs into Facebook, goes onto Facebook and says, hey, you know, you left me. And uh, about an hour or so later, one of the daughters wakes up, you know, checks her phone. Oh, my goodness, there's a message from Dad. Dad's back in Memphis. They're all the way halfway through Arkansas by that time. 100 miles later, they make a big U-turn, and they go back and pick up Dad. We don't want to forget Dad today, do we? Special day. You matter to God, Dad, and you matter to us this morning, and so we're not going to leave you behind. We get a lot of Father's Day sermons on... Um, what a good father is, but not so much on how to be a good father. I'm in a transition in my life. My kids are grown, and and final one is graduated from college and hopefully gainfully employed. And um, so how do I be a dad to grown kids? And some of you are at a different stage in that. And so like I said, we hear so much of what a good father is, not so much how to be one. We need to know what to do. And I'm grateful for a guy by the name of Pastor Ray Scott for this list that I have uh, God going to give to you this morning of things to do and the things that I've added to it here as well. So first thing to do, Dad, that you can do for your kids is, believe it or not, love your wife. No one else can do that. That's a special job. That's a special responsibility. It's a special testimony that's set in front of your kids. How's your son going to know how to love his future wife? You don't love your wife. You don't demonstrate that love in front of them. How is your daughter going to know how she's supposed to be loved if unless you show them? The Bible says that if we, well, and here's the question, if, if we want stable children, we want stable marriage, the Bible says we're the head of the home. We're responsible for that. Let me tell you what the head of the home does not mean. It does not mean you're the best looking. We know that. It does not mean you're the smartest. I know that we know that, don't we? <laughs> Doesn't mean you had the best ideas. Doesn't come up mean you come up with the, blank, the game plan. What it means is, guys, that you take responsibility for wherever the ship is headed. 
You take responsibility for the marriage. You take responsibility for the, for the kids. And yeah, everybody shares and mom and dad are in it 100% together. understand that. But God comes to the dad asking who's responsible because that's exactly who it is. If we disrespect our wives, we're the head of the ship. How's the ship going to go? The kids are going to learn to disrespect. Your sons are going to disrespect their wives. Your daughters are going to learn uh, uh, possibly what, to to- what they should not tolerate uh, from a potential husband. I tell my daughters, I've told them all the time. In fact, I'm going to text them back today because I've gotten some... I got a text earlier in the sermon. I got a text from one of my daughters, Happy Father's Day. You're gonna, I tell them, you're going to marry someone just like me. They don't like that. I'm not going to marry a redneck, Dad. Well, that's not what I'm talking about, necessarily. I mean someone who honors God, who follows God, who loves his wife, who, who tries to do his best, who, um, who apologizes for his mistakes, a lot of other, other things. If we visibly show our love and respect for our wives, our sons will know how to respect their wives and love them. Our daughters will know that they shouldn't settle uh, for anything less than that. Ephesians 5.28, right? So husbands ought to love their wives love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself you're doing yourself a favor you're doing your kids a favor if you will love your wife it's not just a matter of well it makes my life easier no you're doing yourself a favor you really are love your wives number two don't expect perfect children why not because you ain't perfect and if you're perfect then i guess you can expect that but since you're not then you shouldn't expect that from your kids. Don't expect your kids to turn out the way you want them to. You don't want them to do that, do you? God didn't come and say, okay, you're going to tell your kids how they're going to turn out. No. You want that child to grow up and have a personal relationship with a Savior who leads him or her into the life that God has designed for them. Train them so that they're not dependent upon you for information. They're dependent upon him for information. They're going to him. They aren't going to be exactly what you want them to be. And like I said, you don't want them to be that. Here's the third thing. Learn to enjoy your children. Some of the toughest things we have as kids, you know, I have a hat, a ball cap that I bought at Bell. I think it was practically free because nobody would buy it. I bought it because it says across the front, where's your mother? Question mark. <laughs> sort of my philosophy. I don't know. Where's your mother? Your mother takes care of stuff like that. No, no, I'm your dad. Learn to enjoy your kids. Watch what this says. Psalm 127.3, behold, children are a gift. Gentlemen, is that the way you see that? The fruit of the womb is a reward. When was the last time you said to your child, you're a gift from God? You're a reward from God, because that's exactly what they are. God is giving you, sometimes it doesn't feel that way, I know that. But nonetheless, they are. They are. Learn to enjoy them. Enjoy your kids. Don't, don't fall, fall for the old uh, 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 quality time as opposed to quantity time, baloney. Time is valuable. Your kids know it. You give that to them. And it, you, you're going to get back from them. You're going to reap a harvest. Don't Learn to enjoy your kids. Spend, spend time with your children. Give them attention. Turn off the television. Listen to them. Let them know that they matter. Let, let them hear you in a conversation with them. 
interested in, in what's going on with them. Some of the best things I did with my girls especially is take them individually off somewhere and have breakfast or have lunch with them. And sometimes it turned into a great conversation and sometimes it didn't. But you just got to gotta hit it whenever you can get it and uh, give that time. USA Today studies say that, that the children who have involved fathers... How, how, how much it improves their lives. Listen to the statistics here. Not the statistics, just the, the tendencies that, that a child gains from a father that is involved in his or her life. They tend to be far more confident and less, less anxious in unfamiliar settings. Kind of just walk in and say, okay, here we go. They tend to be more able to deal with frustration. Child with involved fathers. Better able to gain a sense of independence. More likely to become compassionate adults. Don't you want your kid to be that? More likely to have higher self-esteem. More likely to have higher grade point averages. Don't you want that? More, more likely to be sociable. Get along with people. Just simply having the involvement of, of a father in their lives. I got the privilege of spending a, the, almost the entire week with my dad. My dad's in very poor health. He's, he's got two things wrong with him. One of them is he's 86. That's, that's a disease. I don't know if you know that or not. Just getting old. And then he has Parkinson's, and he's got some other health issues, but all of them have compromised his system, and he's been either in a hospital or in a rehab hospital now for going on we're three weeks now. And uh, please pray for him, but just being with him, reminded of the caliber of person that he is, even in pain, even in sickness, he's still a kind, uh, generous, uh, genuine Christian man, the same man that I saw as a child, my brother and I, when we would go into our parents' bedroom every single night without fail, who would be on his knees next to the bed, first reading the Bible and then praying that God would bless us, that God would teach us, that God would help us grow. I saw him do that. I witnessed that. You can't get past that. What, whatever we do in front of our kids, they're going to remember it. I remember those things about my dad. Spend time with your children. A fifth thing, uh, train your children. Ephesians uh, 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction. Lord, that's a, that's a dad responsibility. I'm not saying, moms, you can't do it. I'm just saying, again, why does he put it to the dad's feet? Because the dads are the heads. The dads are the ultimate. When God says something's not going wrong with the house, he's going to come talk to the head of the house, who is, who is the man, for sure. The, the authority and the understanding are big issues today, and if children don't understand authority or boundaries or rules, who's responsible for that? Ultimately, dads. Ultimately, dads. They need to know the consequences. They have a difficult time... If, they're going to have, if they have a difficult time following you and your authority, they're going to have a different time following God. That's a problem. It's a problem them following you, but they're going to grow out of you, but they're not going to grow out of God or their need for Him, to be sure. Teach them to respect you and earn their respect by consistency, dads. Don't make idle threats. Don't make me come over there. Don't tell them you're coming over there. That's my suggestion. Don't fall through. I mean, follow through. Don't, don't fail to discipline them because, listen, God is going to discipline them. God's, God, every child he receives, what? He also disciplines. How, how are our kids going to know how to act? How are they going to know how to respond to discipline if we ourselves are not consistent? God's 100% consistent. God's 100% caring toward us, and he disciplines us from that perspective. How are they going to know how to react to the things of God and understand and listen to the things that, that he's speaking to them about if, if we don't do that for them? So, so spend time with your children. Enjoy your children. Chain your ch train your children, dads. Pray for them, for yourself. More for yourself. 
Fatherhood is something that you cannot pull off. I cannot, you cannot, no one can pull it off. It's an impossible task. Impossible, that is, if it's just us. If it's just my wit, if it's just my wisdom, if it's just my experience, it's only one time through life. It's not like my second time to be a dad or my third time to be a dad. No, I've only seen it one time, and I never plan to see it again. I'm going to be out of this life. I'm going to need help. I'm going to need divine intervention, and that's exactly what we do when we call upon God. Look at this little, little verse. It's a cool little thing. You hardly ever read Chronicles, right? Because you've got all the so-and-sos, big at so-and-sos, big at so-and-sos, and King David did this and this and appointed all these singers and all this stuff. And Look at the little gem in the midst of all that. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Talk about a recipe for what... How do I become a good dad? There you go. How do I become a good mom, a good anything? There you go. This is what you do. You seek the Lord. You need help. You can't do it by yourself. You're never going to pull it off, whatever it is that you've been called to do, the position he's placed in your lives, especially when it comes to parenthood, fatherhood. You need loads of help. You can't be with your children. Your children, just like you, have a supernatural enemy. An enemy that they cannot stand up against. Neither can you. You can't always be there. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for God's intervention in their lives. The, your, your best will never be good enough. Pray that God will take what little, little we have to offer, even from a sinful position that we're in and a sin, sinful mindset, that God will use it for His glory and make a difference in the life of your kids who are ultimately His kids. Pray for yourself. Pray for your kids. Train Train your kids. And a seventh thing, prepare your children. Prepare them for what? For a life without you. Prepare them for a life without you. Because that's exactly what's going to happen to them eventually. Prepare them for a life without you, where they stop holding your hand or the need to hold your hand, and they start holding the hand of God and start following Him and start obeying Him and listening to His voice and seeking Him and seeking His answers. One of my favorite phrases that I picked up from one of our um, uh, dearly missed uh, saints here, Paul Cunningham, is he used to say this to his kids when they were, as, old, as older kids, they asked him questions. He would say, you know what, son, daughter, it's not my mistake to make, he would say. It's not, in other words, you need to go out and make your decision. You need to learn how to follow God. You need to listen to his voice. I've already made my mistakes. Now you're going to go make, make yours. Not that as fathers or mothers, we don't give advice to our kids, but ultimately, once they reach a certain style, a certain age, they need to be cut loose. I could tell you what I would do, but I'm not in your place to make that mistake or not. And so now you need to go, and you need to speak to the Father, the ultimate Father, and you need to hear from Him. Prepare your kids for a life without you. You cannot make good choices for them, but you can show them a life that makes good choices, can't you? You can show them, I, don't, I can't make you do these things, but here's a life that makes good choices. That's our responsibility. I, I can't, I can't ha make you have good priorities, but I can show you a life that does. I can show you that direction. I, I can't make you choose heaven. I wish we could. I wish we could just get over our kids and just pray a certain prayer, and boom, they're all going to be saved. They're all going to trust the Lord. They're all going to honor God early in their lives and never fall from that. We, there is no such prayer. But I can show you a life that's doing that. 
I can show you a life that's pursuing that. That is our responsibility. The best thing, finally, ultimately, that we can do for our children is pursue God. That's the best thing. Here's, here's the ultimate statement of all fathers and mothers. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You want your kids to be followers of God? You want your kids to honor Christ in their lives? Be that for them. You can't make them do it. But you can show it as light. Back to my dad, back to my mom and dad, both. both. I saw it in them. I saw it. Yeah, they taught it, but more than anything, they showed it. More than anything, they walked it. They acted. They lived it. It wasn't just a Sunday thing for us. It was every day. It was every night. It was every circumstance. No perfection. Apologies when things were not right. And a recommitment again to follow God and to seek Christ, His Son, honor Him in their lives, to, to pursue Him. To, so, so, and, and for us, my brother and I, it set a direction for us. We could follow our mom and dad, and guess where we're going to wind up? At the foot of Christ. So if they're following you, if they're following you, dad, and they are, mom, they are, where will they wind up? There was a, an interesting study, in fact, a doctoral study done by now Dr. Paul Vitz. And among the study that he did, he was studying the influential atheists for the past two centuries that have arisen on, there's been hundreds and hundreds of atheists, of course, but a, a percentage, of a 10 in particular, who he studied who have been very influential in Western culture. And he found an interesting thing about these guys and gals, and here's what he said. He says the interesting thing that made them all, they're all very different from different backgrounds, different countries, different languages, different cultures. But he says the interesting thing about every one of these atheists, these influential atheists, some of them were horrible people, was that they, every one of them had defective relationships with their fathers. Defective, that's what he says, defective relationship. He, he defined defective as fathers who either one were dead or were perverse or were abusive or were weak or who, in, or in, other, ways, in other ways, abandoned their kids. Here's some examples of the things that he found as examples. Sigmund Freud. Father was well known to be a, per, a sexual pervert. Even Sigmund Freud wrote about his dad and the things his dad did in front of he, he and his uh, siblings. Just horrible stuff. Thomas Hobbes. Father was a preacher, at least originally. He was an Anglican clergyman. After services one Sunday, he gets in a fist fight with one of the church members out in the front. As a result of that, quits the church, quits the ministry, quits his family, never comes home again. Thomas Hobbes. Ludwig Feuerbach, age 13, was abandoned by his father who openly went to another town and began to live with another lady. Left, all his, left his mom, left his siblings. And I just, I want you to know something. That messes kids up. We have this philosophy among us parents, and we say, well, my kids want me to be happy. Let me, let me tell you something. No, they don't. They don't want you to be happy. They want you to stick with their mom. They want you to stick with your husband. That's what they want. You want to know what your kids want? That's what they want. Happiness for them, I mean, and ultimately, you know, um, they got a point. Voltaire, 
fought constantly with his father, causing him later to reject his surname. He just got rid of his last name because it related him to his dad. He hated his dad so much. Schopenhauer, uh, father committed suicide when he was 16. That messes kids up. Bertrand Russell and Nietzsche, both these guys lost their fathers at the age of four. Sartre's father died when Sartre was born. Uh, Camoy was uh, a year old when, his, when he lost his father. Hume, Thomas Hume, also was, uh, lost his father early childhood. Hitler's father. Imagine when he, think his dad was a sweet, benevolent Christian man? Think again. Incessantly beat Adolf, his wife, his siblings, their dog. He died when Adolf was 13. Nobody missed him. That kind of guy. Stalin, you know, those who survived Hitler were killed under Stalin, right? Both of these guys killed millions of people this past century. Both these guys, atheists. Stalin was raised by this horribly abusive father. Again, abused his wife, abused his siblings, just, just would just beat them just for no purpose what's the reason, just a, a belligerent drunk. How important are, are fathers? They're so important. In our society, we think it doesn't matter whether there's a dad in their lives. No, it matters. It really does. God has set up a system where a husband and a wife come together and have kids and raise them together, and the wife can't be everything to the husband. Neither can the husband be with the wife. It takes both of them. It takes both of them. The reason why our society is crumbling is because those things are not being done. We're pursuing our own happiness, our own time, our own things. Kids are just in the way. We, we have them. We leave them. And our society is tanking, tanking because of it. I want to encourage dads today to be the dad that God has called you to be. You can't do it without God's help. You'll never pull it off. To seek God's face so that he can help you in the midst of all, all the trials of what it means to be a dad and the responsibilities that come with it. Nobody can do this by themselves. But with God, we can do this. I want to ask you, please, to bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray and think about the things that God has said to us this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are our Father, that you set the standard of what fatherhood is. We thank you, God, for your consistency with us. We thank you, God, for your discipline. We thank you, God, that you don't let us get away with stuff. We thank you, God, that you love us so deeply and demonstrate that you are always there for us. We thank you, God, that, that you accept us right where we are, but you don't leave us where we are. And God, I thank you for the fathers that are in this room. I thank you for the fathers that we had. Thank you for my own dad and the, what a blessing he was and has been uh, to myself and to my brother and the, the example that he's shown to us. God, I lift up the hearts of the fathers here today. Lord, as we examine your scriptures and we see what you've called us to do to train our children to raise them up, to enjoy them, to pray for them, to love their moms, to show them an example, to, to, um, to set an example of how to follow Christ. God, we so need your help in this. We so need your hand on us in this. God, we trust you today. We ask you to fill us with your spirit and with a new determination to be what, what you call us to be, whether it's fathers or mothers or or people in responsibility, whatever it is, God. We ask for your strength today. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you for the, for the position that dads hold. Help us to be the dads we're supposed to be. 
I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.